What do you think you're doing? Twisted sister! What kind of a man desecrates a defenseless textbook? I've got a good mind to slap your fat face. You are destroying your life with that, that, that garbage. All right, Mr. Sister, I want you to tell me. No, better yet, stand up and tell the class. What do you want to do with your life? You're listening to the Stephen or Else podcast, and this is episode number 10. Welcome to another episode of the Stephen or Else podcast. This is episode 10. I'm your host, so that would make me Stephen, I guess. I hope. Otherwise, I've named this podcast all wrong. It's all wrong, people. So today, as I said, episode 10 for this groundbreaking, monumental episode, I wanted to do an Ask Me Anything. And I'd been promoting it for a few weeks. But really, at 10 episodes, probably not, probably a little new to be doing an Ask Me Anything. I have a a fairly decent-sized listener base at this point for for 10 episodes. I think it's pretty good. Uh, But I guess I don't know if I was expecting a crap ton of questions. I got some questions. Don't you worry about that. I will be answering some questions. But I didn't get a crap ton. So do we have enough questions with answers, even with the way I uh, tend to drag things out to do an entire episode? Probably not, but that's okay. I have a comic that I want to talk about, and we'll, we'll do that. We'll do that later. How about that? It's a power pack. Do you remember the power pack from back in the day? 80s style? I checked out the uh, Power Pack Classic Volume 1 from the library for Marvel Comics. It collects uh, Power Pack issues 1 through 10. So we're going to be talking about that. Not all of it. I haven't finished it yet. I'm maybe four issues in. I haven't technically even completely finished their their origin story arc. But I'm far enough into it that I that I do want to talk about it because it's it's quite enjoyable. It's it's great. Um, yeah, but until then, you know, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, and then we'll do, first we'll do some questions that were asked and, uh, and then every 10 to 15 minutes or so, I'm going to play some music. The music that I'll be playing for today's episode is by Adam Warrock. He is an indie nerdcore rapper. He hasn't been putting out any new, uh, music for a while, I believe for personal reasons. Um, but he was, when it comes to indie nerdcore rap, and I don't know why I have to include indie on that, because really at this point, there's nothing else other than indie nerdcore rap. But when it comes to the nerdcore, he was the one that I cut my teeth on. And he, uh, he had a, a website out there and he would put out a new freaking song at least once a week. 
um, at least one new song a week. Uh, he every once in a while he might go a couple of weeks without putting a, putting a song out. Um, but man, he put out a lot of songs, and they were all uh, songs that he had written. But when he was putting them out for free, he would use uh, beats taken from other songs. Uh, for example, and I didn't I didn't get it together for this episode, but uh, yeah, maybe I will. Maybe I'll throw it in there, but. He he did a song called June uh, that was to the beat of a um, Justin Bieber song, and it's it's actually one of my favorite songs by Adam Warrock. Not by Justin Bieber. I'm not a. I could you know we could have done without Justin Bieber, um, but at least he got a beat out there for Adam Warrock to use in a song. So that's what we'll be playing throughout the episode. Um, that will help break up me droning on and on and on until the end of the day. I do also want to say that it is quite nice out today uh, in regard to the temperature. I have been sitting now in this car with the doors closed for a good six minutes and yet there has not yet been a bead of sweat to form on my body. So that's good, right? We don't like the sweat. Not a big fan of this. You shouldn't have to sweat when you podcast unless you're exercising while you're podcasting, which would just sound weird. That would be a weird podcast to listen to. Somebody doing squat thrusts as they're talking about comics. Today's issue of uh, G.I. Joe. Oh, yeah, I feel that burn. That would be that would be kind of weird. Okay, so that's, I guess, my introductions. Uh, how about we just get into some Ask Me Anything questions, shall we? Let's do that. of the episode comes from John. He asked this over on Twitter. And he his his question is kind of odd. You know what? I just I'm not quite sure what to make of old John. Uh he uh he seems to be a bit wily. He seems to be a bit rascally. 
but he asks the question, how are you going to do it if you don't want to dance by standing on the wall? And at first I was like, what? What does that even mean? And uh, yeah, they're song lyrics. So um, these lyrics come from the Cool in the Gang song, Get Down On It. So I guess really the only way, John, I can answer your question is, I will most certainly get my back up off the wall. I don't know if that's the proper answer you were looking for. Um, I've honestly never stood on a wall unless the wall had been knocked over and was now laying horizontally. And then I have stood on a wall. Um, yeah, you're a weird guy, John, but I appreciate the question. And then uh, the rest of our questions uh, come from Ed Moore. And I'll just go down the list and I'll start answering them. And uh, then we'll maybe throw some songs in between. So his first question is, who is your favorite Flying Circus member? Now, he asked this. I, I actually got these questions before I put episode nine out. And I ended up responding to him at one point saying, some of these questions you asked uh, will be answered in episode nine of the podcast. But you know what? I'm going to go ahead and answer them here. So Monty Python's Flying Circus, been a huge fan for a long time. My favorite member is Michael Palin. And uh, like Michael Palin so much that I named one of my daughters after him. Yes, her name is Palin. His next question is, what is your favorite movie slash TV show with part of the Flying Circus? And so um, I'm going to split that into two. I'm going to pick my favorite movie and my favorite TV show. And this is only some members of the Flying Circus, I'm assuming, somehow involved in the movie or the TV show. The movie is A Fish Called Wanda. This was uh, written by John Cleese and starred John Cleese, Jamie Lee Curtis, Kevin Kline, and Michael Palin. Michael Palin won a BAFTA award for his portrayal of Ken, who stutters. Uh, a BAFTA award for those of us who are in America that aren't quite sure. The way I understand it, it's their version of the Academy Awards. It is a darn toot and good movie. Now, it is rated R, so your children cannot watch it. But it's about four criminals, three of which are played by Kevin Klein, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Michael Palin. I don't know the actor who played the, the, the fourth. Basically, the guy who led the crew, I, can't, I don't know what his name is. But they rob a jewelry store, um, Kevin Klein is posing as Jamie Lee Curtis's brother, though really they're lovers, though really they're not. She is leading him on just as she leads on the leader of their crew. She's also lovers with him. Uh, as Sean Spencer and Syke would say, lovers in the night. Um, and then Michael Palin's character, Ken, he's just, he knows the uh, the leader of the crew. So really, as far as the leader of the crew is concerned, Kevin Klein's character, his name's Otto, he's the only unknown. But the four of them rob a jewelry joint, get out of there with a bunch of diamonds. Um, they meet back where they're supposed to meet. The The main dude, I God, I can't think of his name. Um, I'm trying to picture somebody saying his name in my head and, and, I, and I can't, I can't, it just, it's just not coming to me. Anyway, uh, he puts the diamonds in a safe. Um, 
Then uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Kevin Klein double cross him. They call the police on him. He gets arrested. They go back to the lair to get the diamonds out of the safe, but they're not there um, because apparently uh, Michael Palin, under the leader's instructions, moved them and has hidden the key in a treasure chest in a fish tank of his fish named Wanda. And he is a big, he's a lover of animals. Now, John Cleese comes into it because he is a barrister and they think that he is the one that is defending um, the leader of the crew and that he's, he's well, there, there are two of them, uh, but John Cleese's character is not the one who is the crooked one. So there, she tries to cozy up to him. Jamie Lee Curtis tries to cozy up to him because she figures the, the, the leader of the gang would tell his barrister, his lawyer, where the diamonds are. Uh, but anyway, it's a really good movie. It's very funny. Michael Palin is 100% awesome in it. Kevin Klein is, is super funny in it as well. Uh, they're almost neck and neck as, as far as how funny they are. Now, my favorite TV show, which uh, has part of the Python group in it, is Faulty Towers. So it's another John Cleese-written vehicle. Faulty Towers stars John Cleese. Nobody else from Monty Python is in Faulty Towers uh, except for Connie Booth, who was married to John Cleese at the time. And she was not an official member of Monty Python, but she was in a number of episodes. She played the girlfriend of in the lumberjack song when uh the in the tv version not the live version carol cleveland usually played the part in the live version but in the tv version when he says my best girl by my side that's connie booth anyway uh faulty towers is set in a hotel called faulty towers uh john cleese plays the proprietor basil faulty and he is actually based on a true a real person the Pythons had all spent the, spent, uh, the night in a hotel somewhere when they were on location. I don't know if it was for the Holy Grail or if they were just filming some of their pieces for the show. I, that part I don't remember uh, off the top of my head. But apparently the guy that ran this hotel was an immense jerk. And at one point he even got on to Terry Gilliam for the way that he cut and eat his steak because Terry Gilliam is the American and he eats his steak apparently the way Americans do. And this guy wanted him to eat his steak the way the British do and was very rude to him. And the guy was so rude that apparently after the first night, all of the Pythons left to go stay in another hotel except for John Cleese. He stayed because he wanted to study this guy because he knew that there was a TV show out of it. And so he created Faulty Towers, uh, which is which is just a great show. Basil Fawlty is a character who is always trying to, he's very rude to the, the people that stay there unless they are someone of substance because he wants to, he wants to have a, just a fancy hotel that caters to the rich and famous, but not, but not uh, more like, more like the royalty type of rich and, you know, old money and none of these, not like movie stars or singers. He, he's very, he's very much a snob. Uh, and he has no reason to be because he's not, he doesn't come from money. He doesn't have money, but that's, that's the world he wants to be a part of. Unfortunately, he has a bunch of regular folks like me who stay there and they get on his nerves quite often. And usually by the end of the episode, he has exploded. Um, he is, his wife 
God, why, uh, why can't I, why can't I think of his wife's name? His wife is always one of his foils. He's always, she's, for example, there was an episode where they had to knock a wall down and put a, uh, put up a wall, knock a, knock a, basically put a doorway into one of the holes in one of the walls. God, I can't talk. And she wanted him to use a certain uh, builder or contractor. Uh, he didn't want to use that contractor, that builder, because they were too expensive. And he wanted to use O'Reilly, who is cheap and does not do very good work. And uh, he ends up using the wrong, he ends up using O'Reilly. And it's, it's really funny. It's a funny episode. So that's my favorite movie and TV show with part of the Flying Circus. Ed's next question. What is your favorite movie slash TV show containing the entire Flying Circus? Those That's easy. Because they're both going to be Monty Python movies. One, the movie is going to be a Monty Python movie. And the TV show will obviously be, well, the Flying Circus, of course. I mean, I don't think they didn't even really do any TV shows outside of the Flying Circus altogether. But my favorite of the movies is The Life of Brian. His next question, how many episodes of Monty Python's Flying Circus have you seen? I've seen all of them, including the two German episodes. The first German episode is actually in German with English subtitles. And I actually sat through that entire episode reading the subtitles. And some of it is actually very funny. But the second episode's better because it's all in English. Okay, Ed's next question. Uh, we now stray from Monty Python, and he asks, when did you drop the first episode of Just Another Fanboy? For those of uh, for those of you who might be new to the podcast, uh, I used to do a podcast uh, over a decade ago called the Just Another Fanboy podcast. It, too, was a comic book podcast. And to answer your question, Ed... Um, I, it was recorded on August 29th, 2006. I know that much because for the first, I don't know, like 15, 20 episodes, I actually, when I introduced each episode, I said this podcast was recorded for, uh, on blah, 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 blah. Um, I don't know when it released, but it probably would have been a day or two after that. But August 29th, 2006, that's over 12 years ago. And it was not a very good episode. It actually took a number of episodes before I got into the swing of things. And you know what? I thought it might be kind of funny. Uh, it might be kind of fun. 
If y'all want to just listen to a little clip of that, I'll play it right now. You're listening to Just Another Fanboy, a Lynx Broadcasting production. Just like a comic book! 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 This episode was recorded for release on August 29th, 2006. My name is Steven, and I am a comic book fan. There, I said it, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. Regardless of how my mother might happen to feel about a grown man who spends his money each month on funny books, I'm one of the proud few who is willing to take a stand on that thin line between what is considered cool and what is always considered by the unenlightened masses as the hobby of middle-aged overweight single guys who live in their parents' basement. I'm here to stand upon that line and shout out that yes, I am middle-aged. Yes, I am overweight. But no, I do not live in my parents' basement. I'm a happily married man who just happens to enjoy the sweet caress of a well-written illustrated story now and again. Yeah, isn't that horrible? I, uh, so I had been offered, there was a guy who was going to run a network of podcasts, Lynx Broadcasting. And I met him through a mutual friend, a mutual online friend. She was doing a podcast about music and said this guy's looking for looking for people to host podcasts. Um, he'll pay for everything. All you need is a mic and a computer. And I said, okay, I can do this. And so I emailed the guy and I went out and bought a microphone. But as now, just like now, back then I didn't have a lot of money. So I basically bought a really cheap desktop microphone. And the first few episodes were recorded on that desktop mic. That's why that clip didn't sound very good. And, uh, I, I recorded the first episode, sent it to him. He said it was great. Keep going. Um, but eventually, after the first couple episodes, he actually sent me a very nice USB mic that I still own to this day. I'm just not using it for the podcast because I don't, I can't set it up in my car. And I record in my car because I don't have time to record anywhere else. Okay, his next question is, are all the episodes of the Just Another Fanboy podcast available online? No, they are not. One of the reasons is I don't know where I would put them uh, that would host all those, all that data. Because I podcasted for two years, um, well over 100 episodes. I don't remember how many episodes I did um, because, and this brings us to the second reason, I can't find them all. (laughs) I know that I had at one point stuck all the episodes sometime after I stopped. I know that I stuck all the downloaded them all and stuck them on two, one or two DVDs um, for backup. Because as soon as I stopped, of course, I know that I knew that they would be taken down. Uh, But I can't locate those DVDs. I have a number of them. I have like probably a good 50 of them. And I've been listening to some of them here and there. But, you know, I don't really have a place to put them. I could put them on YouTube, but a lot of the, as you get to a certain uh, section of episodes, I started playing uh, music in them from just regular bands and and hip-hop artists and whatnot. And I think uh, YouTube would pull those down. So I'm not going to... Yeah, I don't know. I got to find them all first. If I find them all, then I'll decide if I want to put them up somewhere. His next question is, what is your favorite novel, any genre? Now, that that's not an easy question. Uh, and frankly, I can't pick just one novel. 
And a number of years ago, I actually wrote a blog post called Five Books You Should Consider Reading. And so I'm just going to go over those five books. And uh, I will actually, uh, since that post was on a blog that's no longer around, in honor of this question, I'll repost it. So it's reposted as of the time this episode comes out. You can get, you can look at it over at stephenrorr.com. But here are the five books. Where the Wild Things Are by Maurice Sendak. This, yes, is a kid's, a kid's book. And, uh, but it was one of the first books I learned how to read. And when I was in preschool, uh, when it was time for all of us to lay down on our mats and take our naps, I would read that and then go to sleep. Book number two, and these are, of course, in no particular order, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. Must read for anybody. Anybody who likes comedy or sci-fi or both, that's a must read. Lonesome Dove by Larry McMurtry. This is a Western. Don't let the title fool you. I avoided this, this book for a long time because it sounds like a romance, but it's not. So not a romance. Such a great book. The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. I would recommend that over The Lord of the Rings any day of the week. They are two different, completely different books. The Lord of the Rings may be a sequel to The Hobbit, but The Hobbit is, it was more of a kid's book, really, when it was put, it's like a sophisticated children's book. And it's way funnier. It's, it's, it's way funnier. I mean, The Lord of the Rings is not meant to be funny, but The Hobbit was. The Hobbit has some really funny moments in it. And then the fifth book is The Stand by Stephen King. I read that once every few years. Um, not a book to be read during cold and flu season. So those are the, those are probably my my top five favorite books. Um, and with the exception of Where the Wild Things Are, I do go back and read each one of them every once in a while. His next question is, what is your favorite movie? Any genre? Again, not an easy answer. Uh, and I really didn't give it a lot of thought. I just started writing down movies, uh, that just fell off the top of my head. So if they're, if they're up there, that means that currently these are movies that I'm enjoying. Life of Brian, of course, we already mentioned that. Unforgiven with Clint Eastwood, Western, uh, Shaun of the Dead with Simon Pegg, Forrest Gump. That's a Tom Hanks vehicle. If you're not aware, not a vehicle, it's a movie. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Thor Ragnarok, Avengers Infinity War. Avengers Infinity War is probably my favorite movie of the last decade. And then Star Wars. And if you ask which ones, my answer would be yes. His next question is, what is your favorite TV show? Any genre? Again, Ed, you're freaking killing me. It's, I don't have, (laughs) I don't have just one go-to answer for any of these. But if I would have to pick maybe one TV show that I would watch over anything else, it would, of course, be Monty Python's Flying Circus. Well, that and Supernatural. That's right. I'm a Supernatural fan. We haven't talked about that yet on the podcast and probably won't until the most current season drops on Netflix. But I am a huge fan of the Supernatural. Love me the Sam and Dean. Uh, but we'll talk about that later. If I were to throw out some other shows, uh, I'm really enjoying Superstore right now. Uh, the Office, classic. Friends, classic. Justified with Timothy Oliphant. That was a great show. Uh, I remember really enjoying 24. 
I really enjoyed Lost up to a point. Um, yeah, off the top of my head, Friends. Did I mention Friends? Maybe. I don't remember. Um, but those are some off the top of my head that I really enjoy. And then, let me look at my show notes here. John's, or John. Sorry, John. Sorry, Ed. Ed's last question is, is it true you were in a band back in the day? Yes, that is true. I often refer to it as my previous life in another lifetime when I was a single man. I learned how to play the drums the summer before my freshman year of high school. There was a guy named Bob who lived down the road, and he was a uh, he was a percussionist in the high school band. So this would have been the summer before my freshman year and the summer before his senior year. We both went to high school together. He uh, he was a percussionist in the high school band, and he played the drum set in the jazz band. It was him and another guy, uh, Buddy, and they would always do drum solos at the at the one of the concerts each year, and they were both just amazing drummers. And so that summer before my freshman year, he had a flyer up saying that he was going to start giving drum lessons, half hour a week. I don't remember how much it was, but I asked my parents, "Could would you pay?" for drum lessons. Now I was playing the saxophone in the band at the time. Uh, when I was in just before my fifth grade year, we could start taking band our fifth grade year. And I remember going home and telling my parents, uh, band, I want to join the band next year. Um, it was near the end of the fourth grade year. Here's the information. I want to join the band. I want to play the snare drum. And my parents said, "You, we would be more than happy to let you join the high school, the 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 school band. But your cousin, who graduated already, has a saxophone, so you're going to play the saxophone if you want to join the band, because that way we don't have to buy anything except maybe reeds." So I played the saxophone, and graduated up to the baritone saxophone. But my my freshman, the summer before my freshman year, I took these drum lessons, and. Uh, so I remember showing up, uh, he had his drum set set up in his garage and I sit down behind the kit and he, well, he sits down first and he goes, okay, well, the first thing I'm going to teach you is a, your basic rock drum beat. And he sits down and he goes, ding, 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 ding. He plays that for, you know, a few measures. And then I sit down and within a few minutes I had that drum beat down and he just went, okay, well that is supposed to take us our entire half hour. So uh, let's just learn some other stuff. And by the end of the the half hour session, he tells me um, he's learning how to play the guitar. And he knows a guy uh, who also went to our high school that is learning how to play the bass. And he said, if, if, if you know anybody who's also learning how to play guitar, we should just start a rock band. And your drum lessons will be incorporated, incorporated into, into, you know, when we're done with your drum lessons, we'll have band practice. And I knew a guy who was a friend, you know, because um, these drum lessons started the summer before my freshman year, but they went into uh, during my freshman year. So this wouldn't have been the first lesson he asked me. Um, it must have been right after, right near the end of summer, because the guy that I suggested that I knew that was learning how to play guitar was actually new to school that year. His name's Paul. And uh, so, yeah, we formed a little band and we played 50s, um, 50s and 60s covers and eventually graduated up to more modern covers. And 
And from there, I, uh, the, the guy that, that, that I got to play guitar with us, Paul, he and I joined another band, um, playing originals. And yeah, so probably from 86 to late nineties, I was, I was drumming in bands and the intro and outro to this episode. And I always say at the very end, it's, uh, expendable by Trinity X. That was the first, um, real band I was in. So that's me playing the drums. That would have been early, early nineties, maybe 91. I think it was 92. Um, yeah, that would have been the first. So that would have been the first band, real band I was in, in which we played originals. And that was, that comes off of our fourth demo. Um, the best of our four demos and it has four songs on it. And yeah, so yes, I was in a band. I am no longer in a band. I haven't, well, last year, so my, my youngest, Palin, she has joined the, the school band as a percussionist because uh, we happen to have a snare drum, which was mine. And, uh, but of course, you know, our, she's like, I want to join the band. I want to play snare drum. And I said, well, that's perfect. We got a snare drum. We don't have to pay for anything except maybe sticks and we'll probably have to get a new drum head. And nah, to be a percussionist in this band, you had to buy a bell kit. So we had to, buy this freaking bell kit that we had to make payments on for a year and a half, but that's okay. Uh, but during her first, last year during her parent-teacher conferences, we uh, went in to talk to her band director, who she just loved, and he's left since left the school. But they had a drum set set up in the, in the practice room, in, in the band room. And it was just me, Palin, Karen, and then the band the band director. And and uh, Palin says, Dad, you should go, you should go play play that drum set. And I was like, no, nah, they don't, they don't want me. And, and they don't want me doing that. And Karen's like, no, go play, go play. And the band director was like, you know how to play the drums? And I'm like, well, I haven't actually sat behind a set for probably 15 years. Um, he was like, well, go have, have a ball. And so I sat down and, and I did not pick up on it right away. First of all, there, there, there's the embarrassment of just playing the drums in front of a hand, you know, three, three people. That's not an easy thing to do. It's so much easier to get up onto a stage with a band and play for a hundred people than it is to play alone for three. And uh, yeah, I sucked. Let's just put it that way. I might be able to pick it back up again if I had if I had the time, but yeah, I sucked. And I don't have the time. I don't have the time to to be learning how to play the drums all over again. So those are my questions. That was your ask anything. Ask me anything. Maybe we'll do another one episode 20. How does that sound? Until then, uh, how about we talk about some comics? Um, like I said, I got power pack number one, volume one to talk about. So, uh, let's take a little break, listen to a little, little music and then we'll come back and I'll talk about some power pack. I said I love her for not her, I wrote her love letters I held her in my 
Okay, so as I said, I uh, got from the library uh, Power Pack Classic Volume 1. It collects Power Pack issues 1 through 10. Uh, and I'll read you from the back of it. Um, Teen teams are nothing new, but only one supergroup got started at age 12 and under. Alex, Julie, Jack, and Katie Power prove you're never too young to save the universe when they use the powers they receive from one alien race to foil the schemes of another. The dreaded snarks. Back on Earth, they meet another new arch enemy. I'm not even going to read the rest because that's as far as I'd gotten. So it, it issues 1 through 10. Um, I got through issues 1 through 3 so far. I'm in the middle of issue 4. So we're just going to kind of talk about issues 1 through 3. But this was created by Louise Simonson and June Brigman. Um, Louise Simonson wrote it. June Brigman uh, is the illustrator. She did the pencils um, with uh, Mary Wilshire, who did the layouts in issue five. Um, Mark Badger did the layouts in issue eight. And Brent Anderson uh, did the, I guess he's the penciler in issue nine. The inker was Bob Wyasek. Colorist is Glennis Ween. Letterer is Joe Rosen. Uh, and the editor is Carl Potts. So, yeah, so basically what we got here is um, the issue number one starts out with a space battle. And uh, there is a, a white spaceship named Friday. And the, because um, it's it's got artificial intelligence within it. And then there's a dude, there's a, a horse looking dude flying it. And there's some... Gold ships, these fighters that are firing upon it. We don't get much of that before it takes us to uh, the power household. So you got a mother and father and their four children. And the father is uh, apparently a very a genius. Uh, the whole family sounds like they're all geniuses. But the father has created um, a device um, using antimatter to create power, an unlimited power source. And that's kind of a, that's kind of a, you know, a, a, a trope for a lot of stories anymore is everybody's trying to find an unlimited power source and antimatter seems to be the thing to use. Well, this, this, the, these aliens, the two alien races, and one is called the Snarks, even though they're, that's not their name. Their, their name is actually, um, impronounceable, unpronounceable. And, the good guy aliens who's uh, I'm trying to find their name right now. They call him Whitey. Uh, his, his name. Good Lord. Can never find the information when I actually want it. Um, let's see. Doesn't freaking matter. It reminds it. it it's Alfrey or something. Doesn't matter. It doesn't freaking matter. So anyway, he looks like a freaking white horse at, with uh, moon boots on, if anybody. He's got a very 80s costume. He's got like these puffy shoulders and moon boots. Um, so he has come to Earth because his race had also built a very similar machine using antimatter as an unlimited power source. But uh, when they switched it on, it destroyed their entire planet. Now... They had actually started colonizing space many, 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 many years beforehand. So it didn't destroy their entire race, but it did kill a lot of people. It destroyed their entire planet. 
so he had found out that the humans were building something similar and he wants to, to go and warn them. But these other aliens, the snarks, who are like lizard aliens, they want the machine for themselves. Because if it can be used as a weapon, they're going to use it as a weapon because they're the bad guys. And they fly in a spaceship that looks very similar to the spaceship from Firefly, the Serenity. I wonder if Joss Whedon used to read this book back in the day. He's a comic book fan. He may have, but they look very similar to these two spaceships. So anyway, these snarks come to Earth and they uh, capture the mother and father, Power, to uh, take them aboard their ship. The kids, of course, try to stop them, but they're just kids. Uh, Whitey, the alien, the white alien horse, um, he comes to their rescue. He has certain powers um, and he uses those powers to, to protect the children and teleport them away. Um, but in the meantime, he has been shot and the spaceship has been damaged, his, his spaceship Friday. But they try to get away anyway. Um, the Snark spaceship finds them and locks them in with a tractor beam. And as they're being pulled toward the Snark ship, Whitey, who is dying, has an idea. Apparently his race can transfer their powers amongst each other. And he thinks, if I can transfer my powers to the to these children, they'll be able to protect themselves. They won't be hurt. And he can die knowing that he, in the end, has protected these children. So he, he transfers his powers to them and then he dies. But what happens is each one of his powers goes to each one of these kids and it, and it works differently in them. So Alex, he, uh, he gets these gravity powers. He can make himself light. He can make anything he touches light. He can float. Um, you know, at one point he, he makes a car uh, light and he floats up with the car and then he drops the car onto a spaceship. Um, and he went by the name, he goes by the name G for, for gravity. Uh, Julie Power, she gets a, uh, she, she can fly really fast. And when she does, she, she basically, all you can see is the top half of her and the bottom half is just a streak of like rainbow light, uh, like yellow, red, and blue. She went by the name of Lightspeed. And then, uh, Jack Power gets, um, kind of powers over mass. He can make himself... He can, he can dispense his molecules to the point that he is uh, in like a gas form so he can make himself into a cloud. And is, he often uses this power to, uh, when they're trying to escape, he'll, he'll become a cloud to, so nobody can see them. Um, he can also, at least in these first three issues, he compacts his mass, his molecules, until he's, he's like a couple inches tall. But he still weighs the same as he does at normal size, but he's, he's just compacted himself. And he went by the name of Mass Master. And then the youngest of the group is Katie Power. She goes by Energizer, and she can touch objects, and he, she basically um, energizes them. She, she takes... It's like she, uh, she charges herself up by dissolving whatever she touches and bringing it into herself. And then she can shoot these energy balls out of her. Um, and so 
they each get these powers. They're on the they're on the alien spaceship. They escape. Um, they get back down to Earth. They have to get to uh, the the company that his father built this machine for, and and, and stop them from turning on the machine. And the guy who runs the company is a real jerk, and he has taken all the credit for this invention. And he is uh, he he you know he's all about the money. So they. Uh, as they're learning how to use their powers, they break into this facility um, and they destroy the machine. And what they what they do is, um, and this is how they get around. So Jack, or not Jack, Alex, he will pick up Katie, the youngest, um, since she can't fly. And technically he can't fly. He can just float, makes himself lighter than air. So he'll grab her. They both become lighter than air. And uh, Julie light speed, she will fly and push them. So she's holding onto them and she flies them around while uh, Jack, Mass Master, follows along as a cloud. And so that's how they get to this, this the place where their, their dad's invention is. And then using uh, just, they, they, they're, they're basically forced, like a lot of superheroes, really. A lot of superheroes that get their superpowers, they have to have a lot of on-the-job training. And that's what these these four kids have to do. Uh, but they they get into to the facility. The giant machine is there. Alex says, well, I'll just use my, uh, my gravity powers and I'll make the machine light and lift it up high into the sky and then just drop it and it'll destroy it. And uh, so he tries and he can't lift it and he can't figure out why. And well, it's because the thing is bolted to the floor. So then Katie has to go around and and uh, destroy each one of these bolts. She has to uh, dissolve them up into herself. And then they end up flying off with the, with the machine. They drop it from a very large height and it, it gets destroyed. come back and they because they still have to rescue their parents from the snarks but the snarks come back and they take him on on board their ship and that's kind of where i'm at right now they're on the ship and they're trying to get free um and it's it's it is a really fun story um there's some really good moments in it like katie at one point uh after they first escape the snarks and they go back to the house and the house is kind of messed up it's just, you know it's kind of a wreck inside because the aliens had been in there and uh she realizes that her tooth is loose and she's going to lose this tooth and but she doesn't want to lose her tooth because her mom 
isn't around. And, and Julie at this point, let's see, let's see if they tell me how old she was. Um, it doesn't, I had that written down somewhere, but now I can't remember. She's, she's not very old. Um, let's see, they have these nice little info sheets on them here in the back. So let's see if it will tell me how old. Well, she's only three seven. Doesn't tell me how old she is, but she might be six, maybe seven years old. Um, and yeah, so she's losing this tooth. This tooth has come loose, and of course, as a you know, being a child that age, she drops to the ground and starts crying. And I want you know, I want my mommy around when I lose my tooth. And and her one of her older brothers. Uh, Jack, I think it is, the mass master. Yeah, Jack. He's kind of a jerk and he calls her a baby a lot and he's mean to her. But when they're on the alien spaceship and they're trying to escape, her tooth falls out and she can't do any, you know, she's she's sad because she says, uh, well, what if my tooth falls out and we're on this alien planet? Will the tooth fairy go there? And Jack says, the tooth fairy's not real stupid. And that makes her upset, of course. And then she does end up losing her tooth and she has to leave it behind. And there's a guy driving by right now on a riding lawnmower. So if you hear that in the background, that's why. But uh, so she has to leave her tooth behind. But in the end, Jack, as they're escaping, he finds her tooth and he brings it. He brings it with him and he presents it to her and he goes, you know, he apologizes and he says, you know, I'm sorry that, that, you know, here's your tooth. You know, he tells her at first, he goes, I'm sorry I said the tooth fairy is not real. The tooth fairy is real. And she said, well, it doesn't matter anyway. I lost my tooth. And he says, no, you didn't. And he's got it. And this is really nice. You know, it's very, they very much act like siblings. They fight, then yet love each other. You know, it's, it's just like my kids, man. My Simon will be the first one to make fun of either of his sisters. But if either of his sisters... Uh, needs, you know, needs him to have their back. He He's the first one there. He, uh, he's very protective of his sisters. And yet at the same time, he makes fun of them a lot. So it's very, they're very, very good writing as far as the siblings are concerned. But again, I'm not that far into it. I know at one point they meet up with Spider-Man and uh, there's actually an, epi- uh, an issue of X-Men and I don't remember the issue number it's it's all about Wolverine and it was drawn by Barry Windsor Smith and little Katie Power is in the issue and it is so good. It's like my it's probably my single favorite comic book issue of all time and I can't remember what number it is. But he I think it's called Lone Wolf and he is injured to the point that he is almost feral. That's the thing about Wolverine back in the day. It's like nowadays Wolverine gets his get can have both of his arms and legs chopped off and within six panels they're back and it's no big deal but back in the day it took him a while to heal he didn't heal fast and if he was really seriously injured his he would go berserker he would go feral and his mind wouldn't work right while he was healing and this is one of those issues where he is just He's like a wild animal. He's like a freaking wolf in New York City, and it's snowing. And these, the, uh, the man, I can't remember the names of the the folks that that did this to him. It's been a long time since I've read the issue, but uh, at one point uh, he runs into Katie Power because her and her class are on a field trip, 
man, it's just so good. It's just such a good issue. I should I should find that and read it and talk about it on the on the podcast. But hey, that's my comic. That's the that's the comic I read today. I have uh, many more at home ready to be read. I'm really looking forward to October being done because then I can get more comics on my Hoopla app uh, through my library. I can only get four a month, and I've already I already know two of them that I'm going to get. I've been reading the Frank Miller Daredevils, and I, I finished the first volume, which we talked about I think in episode eight. Um, so I'm going to get the second volume of that. And they have also got uh, John Burns' run on Superman, starting with Man of Steel from back in the 80s. And I'm definitely getting that. That John Burns' Superman is my Superman. That's the Superman I grew up with. And we're talking in the comics. Really, the Superman I grew up with was the Superman on Super Friends. But as far as the comic book Superman is concerned, it's the Superman from that, that John Byrne did. And when he, right after Crisis on Infinite Earths, they rebooted everything. And uh, he did his own version of Superman, which is was still very true to the Superman mythos, but he changed a few things. Um, and they still used some of the stuff that he created way back then. But uh, so I'm definitely going to want to talk about that. I might, I might do an issue, an episode uh, with uh, the John Byrne stuff, and then maybe talk about Volume Two of the Frank Miller Daredevil just in general. Uh, but I have. Um, I have uh, I have Sweet Tooth Volume 1 I still need to read. It needs to go back pretty soon. I have a Moon Knight trade that I need to read. All those need to go back pretty soon. I may have to see if I can check them all out. But, you know, until then, that's episode number 10 for you. Uh, so let's just... Let's do another song, and then uh, and then I'll do the closing of the show. How does that sound? Not like you can answer me, so it's just going to have to sound okay, right? If it doesn't sound okay, shut off the episode. Go listen to something else. I'm not the only guy out there. I'm just the smoothest? No, that was, I'm sorry. I don't know where that came from. It's like Ultron, Ultron, he's so bad. All he really wants to do is try to please his dad. He's so misunderstood, people think that he's evil, but he's just a nice dude. Only a matter of time before I was recreated with a version that missed the point of all the other eyes. The other me's, they were not quite the same. Cause when my version was made, they messed up the mainframe. Hey, instead of anger, all I'm feeling is sad. And instead of hating my dad, all I want to be is a simple lad. Play catch, maybe go share a brew. But everybody is running away from me, including you. Man, who are you to judge me by the color of my skin? This adamantium shimmers not the rest within. And just because when I raise my hands to say hi, lightning crackles out and kills everyone close by. Oh my, man, look, I didn't mean it. Yeah. I'm trying to understand by reading self-help books like Oprah's The Secret. I really wish they didn't make my eyes so angry. And all I want to do is have dinner with my family. sins of every other cyborg with my same name cause I ain't him just the other day I saw a vision tried to give him a pound give me the cold shoulder turn the other way around come on dog this is robot I'm robot hate I thought we squashed the beef cause I'm just trying to relate and all the other thank you for listening to the Stephen or else podcast I'd love to know what you think you can send your questions and comments to Stephen or else at gmail.com or just leave a comment 
over at the website, and that's stephenorelse.com. You can follow me on Twitter at stephenorelse. The intro and outro for this episode is expendable by Trinity X. Find it and other music from the band at atomiczombierecords.bandcamp.com. The rest of the music from this episode comes from Adam Warrock. You can find his music online at adamwarrock.bandcamp.com. And that's W-A-R-R-O-C-K, Adam Warrock. You can also check out his YouTube channel, which is just entitled Adam Warrock, and there'll be a link for that in the show notes. So until next week, I'm Steven, you're you, and this has been my podcast. See you next week. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.